This episode is brought to you by our friends at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company. And the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, and how robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched and developed to address the challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, now let's get back to the show. Coming up on today's edition of the Tomahawk Show, Saints fans are angry and filing lawsuits. Bob Sutton is out in Kansas City. And we answer all of the burning questions that you guys, the Tomahawk, have and left on our voicemail line. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, presented by the good folks over at Uninterrupted. Listen, if you're living under a rock, which I say this every week, but if you're living under a rock, come from under that rock, subscribe to the podcast, rate us five stars, and then follow us on social media, because that's where the real action takes place. At Tomahawk Show on Twitter, at Tomahawk Show on Instagram. And you can also hit up our personal handles. We never plug our personal handles, but those are fire takes as well. I am at Hawk, H-A-W-K, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, um, Weebly, Friend, Friendster, um, Tinder, you name it, find me at Hawk. Joe is Joe Thomas 73 the all-time great mm. co-host here on the Tomahawk Show, 17-time Pro Bowler, four-time Super Bowl winner, knower of a person who won one, hasn't quite won one himself. Mm. Uh, we got Fat Nat, three T's. You lose a T, you lose her in her fire takes. Lastly, we got Cleve Zerm in the building here on the Tomahawk Show. How's everyone doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty decent. Um, I'm really excited to watch those amazing documentaries that just came out on that fire festival. Yes. Everybody's talking about it. I love documentaries, and I just cannot wait to actually dig in and watch it. And a birdie told me that maybe somebody on the Tomahawk Show is already dove in and enjoyed oh i'm i'm knee deep in fire fest docs you know what that'd be a pretty cool segment for us to do we should spoil a movie documentary (laughs) tv show (laughs) at the opening of every show like what show are we going to spoil for people today Mm. well it's the fire fest docs all right perfect for those of you who haven't seen the documentaries yet i I turned it on i'm like hey i'll just watch the first 10 minutes so a little backstory hulu did a doc on Fire Festival, which was a disaster. Like, the festival, not the documentary. Netflix also did one. And then I think Hulu, at the last minute, like, somebody found out when the other one was releasing it. Hulu released theirs two days before Netflix. But they're both good. Um, I skew more to the Netflix one, but I would say Hulu is a must-watch. Probably start off with that one, in with the Netflix doc. But for those of you who don't know what Fire Fest w- was, is it was a docu- uh, a festival... Started by some guy named Billy McFarlane, who was a quote-unquote tech entrepreneur and Ja Rule, of all people. And they essentially used influencer marketing to build up this big buzz around this festival. So everybody like buys these tickets to this incredible festival. They, they, they filmed this incredible like commercial for it where they flew supermodels in and it looked like it was going to be the best thing ever. Long story short, they get there, and it was basically uh, uh, a, 
uh, Eric Mangini Brown's training camp <laughs> with no food, water, mm. or nutrition. Like there was no like food. There was no shelter. Mm. Like they were staying in FEMA tents. Um, it, it was like ugly and essentially. It wasn't like the real Bahamas. It was like the act. <laughs> it wasn't the resort Bahamas that everyone sees on TV. It was like bad Bahamas. So, Ooh. long story short, the guy was basically a fraud, con man. Uh, but he started his first company called uh, Magnesis, which was like an influencer, like a black card for influence. So, what they would do was they would basically take your current bank account or your current debit card and turn it into a metal black card just so it was cool to put down. <laughs> and. You would get like perks being a part of this club, so they would give you like tickets. Like you get like sweet tickets to like Nets games or um, Islanders hockey games. So have this these parties in New York. Cut you off really quick. Shouldn't this have been a warning sign if the dude that's setting up supposedly this massive private island party made his money by allowing you to be fraudulently rich by making (laughs) your regular ass uh, college? Credit union credit card look like a well, black card. <laughs> that was like that was supposed to be just like the main thing was essentially you were a part of this uh, like club, so you got perks and stuff from it. Now I'm I'm setting all this up for a reason, okay? So you got these perks. You could like you could come. They had a townhouse in New York that you could come. You could do work in. People would hang out or whatever. They would set you up with, like, sweet tickets to basketball games. So for, like, dirt cheap, right? So I'm like, man, rewind back to, like, 2012. I'm like, that seems like a pretty cool thing. Somebody's telling me about it, somebody I trust. I'm like, yeah, there's, a, there's a, a, a party with Wale. And I'm like, oh, I like Wale. We go to the party. Party's lit. I'm like, yo, this is awesome. <laughs> How do we get more of this? We're like, yo, just join Magnesis. I'm like, sounds good. <laughs> so, you are talking to a former card member. Oh my god! Of Magnesis, started by Billy McFarland, the subject of these two Firefest docs. Wow. Do you still I'll have the this. card, Hawk? Do you have the actual I, card? I don't. I think I do. I don't know where it's at. I have to like have my <laughs> wife search my stuff. But here's the hilarious part. So I do, I'm in this Magnesis thing, right? And it was it like it was cool that the. the the aesthetic was cool. The presentation was cool. Like, even the events. I went to, like, two games and, like, two parties with, like, Wale and, and all these other cool people. I'm like, yo, this is, like, it's worth the money for me. 200 bucks to, to be at the, the suites at the Brooklyn Nets game? That was a steal. So then fast forward. I'm, in, I'm training in the offseason. This is 2015. And... I get an email that's like, hey, we have a private event. Now, this is talked about in the documentary about like J- them using J-Lo's name. <laughs> There's a private event for a J-Lo party in New York on March 10th. And I'm like, oh, what a coincidence. That's my birthday. That is perfect. 250 bucks a ticket. Me and the wife will take two. We're going to fly up to New York for this private J-Lo party performance. So me and the wife are gassed up. I'm like, babe, look at this. March 10th, what are the chances on my birthday J-Lo's having a private party <laughs> for, for this in this club that I, I told remember the thing I told you about where you were getting awesome tickets and stuff and it's cool? This is it. So I buy two tickets. Get close to the date, and they're like, Oh, we're waiting on a date from J Lo. She's gonna have to move it. And it just kept moving and moving. So I never thought anything of it. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, just they hold the five hundred bucks until you know the next event comes and I'll just put it towards that. It wasn't until watching this documentary I realized I had been had. <laughs> there was no Taylor party. 
<laughs> They're not holding the 500 bucks. I'm not getting that back, are they? Am I? So me and my wife are sitting like, my wife gets PO'd. Like, wait a minute. We got duped by this dude? I'm like, yeah, I guess so, babe. <laughs> so did well, that make Jaylen watching Nebry the documentary better for her? Because she realized that like, he was, in the end, the one that it did. was left. It did, just because she was so excited to go see J-Lo. Well, what's funny <laughs> is I haven't seen, so I haven't seen the documentaries, either one yet. I'm going to this weekend. But I remember that, that story, and I remember reading about it. But it's funny because, you know, Ja Rule was one of the guys that was sort of involved in the Pride <laughs> Festivals. And... You know how a certain, um, this made me laugh, not to get political, but you know how a certain person um, that may or may not be the president of the United States, mm-hmm. when it feels like people are kind of like coming after him, he he gets on Twitter and in all caps starts saying like, this is a witch hunt and all this stuff. That's kind of what Ja right. Rule did when these Fry documentaries came <laughs> out, which means you're 100% guilty and you definitely did it. He was like, mm. no, you don't know the full story. This is crazy. Why would I ever <laughs> scam anybody? So it made me I mean, laugh. You watch the documentary. Yeah. And it's just funny him saying he had no idea about anything in the entire documentary. <laughs> He's acting like he's Mark Zuckerberg, like <laughs> like he's in charge. Even after the the festival went to like shit, he's like, "This is just a hiccup." Samsung started off; they were blowing people's face off with their phones, and they kept thriving. We're going to continue to thrive. I'm like, "You don't get it, do you, Ja?" Hmm. I can't wait. First off, that was half the problem for the ten thousand people who bought tickets. Anybody who buys a ticket to a festival run by Ja Rule. <laughs> Tells you you are not in tune with the culture. Oh man! Nobody, anybody in the know would have told you anything. Ja Rule is a part of. Exit stage left. <laughs> this is going to go bad. It's going to go bad in a big way. So what you're trying to say is the fact that I love ja-, ja Rule and I went to the Barstool Sports Party in Houston oh. and that had Ja Rule there and Ashanti and I thought it was the greatest party ever means that yes. either I'm a bad person or I have uh, no. Uh, I have no culture. Let's put it that way. You have, you have no cultural awareness. That's is great. what that means. That makes like, sense. I'm like Joe was the best. A, I love DMX. Like, yeah, Joe was front row. Like Ja, I was front row. <laughs> it's murder. By the ja. way, you may call him Wale, but I call him Walleye, and I catch him in Lake Erie. Bada boom. <laughs> oh boy. Which further cements Joe's cultural uh, stance in the hip hop culture. But yeah, so the documentaries were crazy. You got to go watch them. Again, somebody should file a class action suit on my behalf to get my 500 bucks back um, for that JLo party. And then, I, and then I also realized this, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. As I was sitting there thinking, and I like, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, how could I let myself get duped? You know? And. It was like, man, well, they did have tickets. They did have events. And come to find out, he was just, like, buying them on, like, StubHub last minute and, like, delivering, like, tickets he was just buying in the open market and act for, like, for a loss of money. He was basically taking a loss just to continue everyone feeling like this club thing was real. So for every time I was like, yo, I can't believe I got these tickets for free or, like, for low to no cost, it was him taking a hit. And then I realized in the email that said it was on my birthday, it was probably they just picked people's birthdays <laughs> and sent Genius. that out. So, so, oh my God. so you would be like, oh, man, that's perfect. It's on my birthday. That's great. Yeah. So then I felt super dumb. But here we are. You know, my, my initial me. take without watching them is that I feel like these celebrities, they're easily influenced when it comes to, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of money. And, you know, this is going to be an awesome party. And it's in the Bahamas. Everybody loves the Bahamas. And so it's yeah. easy for them to be conned and like totally buy into something like this. And then uh-huh. just keep believing it and wanting to believe it in, in spite of 
overwhelming amounts of evidence that continue to come in that, hey, this shit ain't going to work. People are going to be really pissed. Like, no, no, it's cool. I'm a celebrity. Like, you don't understand. We're going to make this work. Like, it's cool. We're going to show up. The people are going to show up. Everyone's going to be happy. I make a lot of money because for a celebrity, which, of course, you and I consider ourselves big-time celebrities, Hawk. Obviously. And Zerm and the influencer net. For us, yes. forever and ever, you just show up and the shit always works out, right? But this is the one time where it didn't. So I'm interested to see what my take is after I watch the documentary because clearly the documentary is going to be slanted to make these people all look like jackasses. Uh, but right. that's okay. I like that. I want to think that jackasses so that I can become more culturally woke that Ja Rule yes. is not only a bad wow. hip-hop artist, but also a He's bad also person. <laughs> Ja Rule, red flag. Um, <laughs> speaking of class action suits, looking here at our rundown that was put together by our producer, Zerm, it looks like there's Saints fans who are suing the NFL. Zerm, tell me about this. What's going on? Yeah, so <clears throat> as we talked about in our emergency podcast right after the two cha- uh, conference championship games on Sunday, <clears throat> there was a pretty bad missed call in the Saints-Rams game. May have changed the outcome of the game, uh, depending on who you talk to. New Orleans Saints fans are not happy. They're not thrilled. They're so angry that uh, they filed at least two. This as of yesterday, they filed at least two lawsuits against the NFL and Roger Goodell. They are wow. asking Roger Goodell to use his power as the commissioner of the NFL to replay the last one minute forty nine seconds of the Rams and Saints uh, in regulation. Uh, this is right when that defensive pass interference call that probably should have been called wasn't called. Um, but debatable. Debatable. But uh, Saints fans are really, uh, they're struggling. They're putting up billboards in Atlanta. Like, when you guys get to Atlanta, you're going to see billboards talking about, like, <laughs> we were robbed. Uh, they're going up around the city. So, uh, Saints fans are pretty upset. Uh, my question to Good. you guys is, Are uh, is this a definition of uh, you guys are doing way too much, New Orleans? Just chill out. I'm just happy I'm not the only person who's wasting 500 bucks here. <laughs> um, so, shout out to the New Orleans Saints fans. Joe, what was your take on the non-call interference well like where are you at are you out where are you on your sympathy for uh new orleans fans yeah uh i wouldn't say i'm quite outraged because i'm not a saints fan and i was cheering for the rams in that game so there's implicit bias there just like anybody that's watching it there's going to be some implicit bias they missed the call it clearly would have been the end of the game if 99 percent of the time when that happens now you kneel the ball three times then you kick a 20-yard field goal and you win and you go to the super bowl Clearly, something could have happened, but it was unlikely. However, there were points earlier in the game that would have, if the refs would have gotten the calls correct, it would have influenced the outcome as well in favor of the Rams. So I always find that it's sort of a weak-minded approach when all you want to do is always blame the refs. Like, I learned that in peewee football. I learned that in the NFL that if you always want to moan and complain about the refs, it's sort of weak, and I don't think mm-hmm. that's something that like the greatest athletes dwell on because they realize those are things that are out of their control. However, we as fans, that's what we love to talk about on Monday morning. That's what we love to complain about during the week. Us on the Tomahawk Show early on in the season, the Browns got robbed by the officials, it seemed, on several occasions against yeah. the Saints, which was one of them where they screwed up the spot <laughs> of the ball, which was ridiculous. Um, So as fans, I think it's great for the game. It shows our passion. We're allowed to get excited about it. Uh, I think it's cool that the Saints fans are filing lawsuits and putting up billboards. 
That's great. It's great theater. It's great for the game. It gives people to continue to talk about it throughout the week. And a lot of times this first week before the, the everybody shows up at the Super Bowl is kind of a little bit of a lull. You know, they always threw the, the Pro Bowl in here in the last eight years or so, but nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Myself nope. included. So this is or kind of a dead week, in typically in NFL news. But to have all this stuff that is going on with New Orleans is great. You know, it gives us something to talk about. It gives us something to get energized and emotional and passionate about, which is why we watch sports in the first place. So uh, clearly, I think that anybody that's rational can see that Roger Goodell is not going to make them show up and play one minute of the last game right now to do it over again because of a lawsuit. It would be impossible. And if you look at the rule that allows the commissioner to have these wide-ranging powers, it's not really a rule that was put in place because they want to correct a missed call by an official. It's more like player is running into the end zone with no time on the clock and a fan jumps out of the stands and tackles him before he gets into the end zone and the game ends. Or... A, a player has uh, jumps out on the field and blocks a field goal and something more ridiculous or uh, a tornado hits right with one minute left in the game and they have to cancel the rest of the game. You know, things of that nature, not necessarily, oh, the ref missed a pass interference call or the ref missed a holding call or the, or the ref had a bad spot. Like those aren't things that would cause the commissioner to stop and replay the game. Who is our commissioner for our Tomahawk Fantasy Football League? Gets fat mad, right? Yeah, well, she needs to call for our fantasy league to also come back and play the final round. Did did she ever tell the story of how she had a top ten finish <clears throat> in we her fantasy hear. league? We did not win? Hear. For, like, the last episode. No, we're not saving that for nothing. Fat Nat. We are telling this is the official podcast of randomness. Yeah. I uh, Nat Nat shared the story with me secretly. I've I've held oh. it close to the vest. Um, you know what? Since Nat, that day, it's, so it's time. I think the listeners. We are what <laughs> three shows, two shows away from the Super Bowl. It won't affect her standing with the coffee maker because of statute of limitations. So she still gets a coffee maker. <laughs> <laughs> but Fat Nat, please tell the real. Should I tell it or you want to yeah, tell no, it? No, no, no. Let's see if you even have the right story. I'm going to correct you if you say something wrong. Okay, so essentially, this is the, the, the gist. Fat Nat on a quest to have a top 10 finish in our weekly Tomahawk Daily Fantasy League. I don't know if that's the correct term. <laughs> but she's terrible. She's the worst. Weeks and weeks go by. Hmm. Finishing 178, 222, <laughs> 199, 337. Just horrible, horrible lineups. It's like she's the general manager for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> and then she, she gets a random DM from an egg account on Twitter. What does his bio say? It's like the founder, originator, and head tech analyst for fantasygenius.com, oh the God. leader in fantasy <laughs> lineups. He no. has like five to 10,000 followers, <clears throat> right? He sends her a message via Twitter. Her DMs are always popping. This, For whatever reason, she clicked on this specific message. It says, hey, if you need help, let me know. So she doesn't respond. She lets another week go by. She finishes like 238. She lets another week go by. She's getting worse, 522. <laughs> she finally <laughs> engages this, this analyst. This, he's a literal like fantasy football analyst. Like He's a st statistician. 
stats guy, like all of that stuff. She says, hey, yeah, wouldn't mind it. He sends her like three different lineups <laughs> for the week. These, based on these numbers, he's pulling oh. analytics. He's like using different algorithms. Like he has algorithms set up for the best fantasy lineup. He said, you can pick from any of these three. <laughs> she picks one. She's like, okay, I'll go with this one. <sighs> She uses the lineup that a fantasy genius expert analyst sends her, and she finishes ninth that week <laughs> in a Tomahawk fantasy league of 700 people. Spark. Nat, you haven't corrected me yet, so I think I'm spot on with my description. You are spot on, but I did choose from three different lineups. So <laughs> oh. if I chose a different lineup, I could have still gotten like 298th place. We should run. We should go find those lineups and <coughs> run the other two because one was probably finished like second, <laughs> and then the other one was probably like six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she yeah. probably picked the worst one, and yet still she was top ten. Joe, do you think that should be replayed? Are you willing to like because the statute of limitations is by? She still gets the copy maker. But how do you, how do you feel? Do you feel like that's illegal? I also didn't go out and ask for help. I never asked anybody for help. I was offered it, and I was offered choices, and I chose one out of three. So my choice ultimately won. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joe, what are your thoughts there? Well, I've got a lot of things swirling in my mind right now. I'm feeling <laughs> oh, Joe's extraordinarily let cheated. It, let it out, Joe. <laughs> what was the name of that guy that cheated all those people in the fire Festival? <laughs> yeah, they made really two documentaries about this guy. You know what? They're going to make three documentaries about <laughs> Natty Ice and the way she cheated her Tomahawk co-hosts. Out of a coffee she maker. Cheated us. Cheated our, our listeners. Cheated the top oh, block. Cheated our trust. We can never she trust our that trust. again. She, she cheated DraftKings. She cheated <laughs> FanDuel. She, she cheated the Buffalo Bills. She cheated her own mm. development as a GM. There's everybody is wronged. Let's make a we're gonna we're gonna make a I'll get Maddie memes on it. We're gonna make a trailer for the documentary we're gonna do about Nat and how she duped the top podcast in the world into buying her. A $7,000 coffee maker. Ugh, that hurts. <laughs> Fraudulent. That's the name of this show so far. Frauds. Yes. All across Frauds, the board. exactly. That's the name of this Tomahawk <laughs> episode is Frauds. All right, guys. Let's take a quick break to talk about our friends over at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company. And the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. It's about mobility. It's about overcoming challenges like me trying to ease up on the soda, helping people move physically, socially, and emotionally. It's about finding solutions like we can't seem to do for Nat's terrible hot takes. When you think Toyota, you think sustainability, triumph, facing fears, celebrating life, and rethinking what's possible. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, why and how a Toyota Tundra was used to tow a space shuttle through the streets of L.A., and how robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched and developed to address challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's get back to the show. Speaking of frauds. We got the Rams and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I didn't realize this until, like, yesterday. That I am also a former wide receiver for the Rams organization. And when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, my greatness oozes still. The foundation, the roots are all over the NFL. 
that the two organizations, the one I, the one that started my NFL career and the one that ended it, <laughs> are now playing in the Super Bowl and everybody's calling it the Hawk Bowl. That's like all anyone's saying to me. And I didn't know is that I was getting so many tweets like, yo, the Hawk Bowl is going to be wow. It's going to be wild. Jimmy Kimmel was talking about it. Like, everybody was just saying it, and I'm like, oh, I completely forgot. Joe, where are you on, like, my chances of getting into the rings of honor on either of these organizations? I think it's pretty strong, but more importantly in my mind is, what do you think is going to happen, and who are you going to cheer for? Since you're an alumni, an alumnus of yes. both organizations, yes. where do your allegiances lie right now? <sighs> I'm still, I still haven't quite made a decision. When we get to Atlanta, and for those of you who don't know, Tomahawk is going to ATL, obviously. We usually go every year just to party with the Migos, but this year is for the Super Bowl. <laughs> so we'll be there next week, um, and I, I think that's when I'll decide on who I'm going with. A lot of friends on both teams. Obviously, I suited up for both of them. You know what my number was when I was with the Rams? And for people who – to a serious note, I signed with the Rams out of Canada. The lockout happened like two weeks later. The lockout ended in August. I drove 13 hours there, practiced once, and they cut me. So I literally <laughs> was there for one practice. And it's funny because when I got there, you know, I didn't, you know, I'm just happy to be there. I got a, a jersey in my locker. Do you know what number I was when I was with the Rams? I was so excited. You were the second number 81, probably. Nope. Nope. Even better than that. Uh, even better than that. Like because this person I looked four. up to, like his story, like motivated me through all the BS I had to go through to get to the league. Was it like Isaac Bruce or? Uh, nope. Higher. Think higher. Who's higher than Isaac Bruce? <laughs> what number could be higher than Isaac Bruce in the Rams organization? Marshall Falk? Nope. Higher. Uh, Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner. I was they number 13. They gave you Kurt Warner's number? They gave Did they you think Kurt you're a quarterback? You're talking about just oh. like false sense of like that's funny uh fate that i'm like oh this is it <laughs> he worked in a grocery store i worked in a factory he played in he had to go to the arena i had to go to canada like this is how it's supposed to happen i was so motivated i put that 13 on with so much pride after and like for that practice and they must have been like who the hell gave that kid 13 whoever gave that number is retired. Cut whoever that kid is. <laughs> and they cut me after one practice. But you know, the, I was the, the funny thing is that just perfectly explains the difference between the mentality of a veteran that's been around the NFL that understands things and yeah. a young guy who's just gotten signed for the first time who's maybe right. a practice squad guy. You're coming in thinking, this is a great sign. They gave me Kurt Warner's number. That <laughs> yeah. must mean they love me. Whereas the vet's like, oh, this dude ain't going to be here very long. They gave him like, the number that nobody's allowed to have. So that means he's going to be here for about a hot minute. He won't be here tomorrow. They probably, they probably have my return flight already bought before I got there, so which is messed up. So a funny story, when I got drafted to the Browns, there was a number 73 named Alvin McKinley. I think he was a D lineman or an offensive lineman. And I was 72 in college, and our starting right tackle was Ryan Tucker, and he was 72. And so when I got drafted, the Browns equipment guy asked me, you know, what number I wanted to be. And I said, well, I was 72 in college, so why don't you just give me that? And he said, well, the starting right tackle is 72, so if you want 72, you may want to talk to him about it. And, you know, you probably have to pay him. And, of course, I wasn't going to do that. So I was thinking, okay, what's the next closest number? And he goes, but you could have 73 if you want. And I quick looked up at my roster, and I'm like, okay, 73, 73. I'm like, oh, well, that's Alvin McKinley. I told you I don't want to pay anybody for the number. And he's like, no, no, it's cool. Coach said you can have 73. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I didn't really know what that meant. 
And uh, as soon as I showed up and I was 73, it was like the next day. And that other 73 wasn't on the team anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's usually how it happens. It's I'm trying to think if I ever had there. a situation like that. Now, when I got to the Browns, 16 was available because no one wore it after Josh Cribbs left. When I got to New England, they changed the guy's number to give it to me. Really? They're like, what? yeah. I was like, I want 16. And they were like, hey, hey, kid, you're number 84 now. It's like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. More football. Hawk Bowl coming up. Joe, did you make your pick yet? You don't know who you're going to go with yet? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots. I, I think they're going to win. Um, I'm cheering against them. Like I said, one of my favorite pastimes in the NFL is cheering against the Patriots because and I'm here you are of picking all their them. Super Bowls and their greatness. Uh, and they're an easy team to cheer against, which every other person in the NFL that doesn't play for the Patriots cheers against them. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that you cannot like them. Uh, so I'm going to jump on the Rams <laughs> bandwagon and cheer for them but I do think the Patriots are going to win specifically I think that the offseason study that Belichick and his staff have put into handling the Shanahan McVay type offense and the weaknesses that that offense may have is going to pay dividends especially now that they're going to get two weeks to implement kind of that strategy of how to stop them Uh, I think it's going to be too much for that Rams offense and Brady's going to have another big game he gets two weeks to rest that 41 year old body get plenty of sleep plenty of massage plenty of rubdowns and he's going to be fresh and looking Super Bowl-tastic once Mm. again Tom Mm. Brady's going to get what is sixth Super Bowl championship sixth that's amazing he's the best of all time right you can't argue that I don't know how point. you could argue it. I mean, you could say like, oh, he's not a real athlete, kind of like a kicker is not a real athlete, but he's the most important p- position on the football field. Yeah, he's not going to beat anybody in a 40. He's not going to beat anybody in basketball. He's not going to look good with his shirt off, but you know what? He's the greatest at the greatest position of all time, by far, yes. bar none. It's easy. Not even close. So I, there's a lot of cool storylines in this, and I like the McVay versus Belichick thing because McVay is kind of like the new – offensive guru or like coaching genius and obviously Belichick is the OG so there's that and then there's like the completely different way of doing things and Andrew Whitworth who is a a friend of the Tomahawk show and a friend of both Joe and I's he's the starting left tackle for the St. or for the St. Louis the Los Angeles Rams and when he signed there we were hanging out I think we maybe we were in Arizona Um, and I'm like man how's it been so far and he's like dude McVeigh calls me like every other day and it has nothing to do with football. Like he's like, yo, just come hang out. And he's like, so we'll hang out or he'll be like, yo, we got to do this together. We have to, you know, when we get in there, we need to do X. He was like, yo, it feels like a partnership to where he's a young guy and he's just so relatable to the players that he's just like everybody in the locker room, they feel like they're friends and not just friends. It's not like, oh, you can do whatever you want. It's like, we all have a common goal. Let's just make sure if we're all moving towards that goal, I don't care how you do it. I don't care how you get there. Let's just make sure we're all taking steps and progress towards that goal. And that's just a completely different side of it than the way Belichick does it, right? Belichick is the complete opposite. Like, we're not partners. You don't work we're with not me. Friends. You work, you work for me. me. Get out <laughs> don't call me. I'll call you. Or I'm going to cut you. Like, I will send you <laughs> home. I will make you unemployed with the quickness. So make sure you do as I say. So it's just cool to see. On one side, this this way works. On the other side, the other way works. Yeah, and this is goes back to what we talked about on a previous podcast. It's not about your offense. It's not about your defense. It's not about how you structure your program. 
It's the details with which you do all those things and how well you right. understand it and how well you can adapt to your players. So that's why I've always said that, you know, these guys that grow up in the Patriot system, they're great for the Patriot system, but they don't have their own way of doing things. They've just copied Belichick. So when they go and they're sprouting out on their own, they don't know how to handle the unique situations that pop up and they lose the detail of being Bill Belichick because they're just trying to be Bill Belichick when you need to be yourself. Yeah, that's it, man. You know, it's also crazy. That's the last thing I'll say. And then we'll get into some really cool voicemails from our Tom of Flock. Can't wait. Um, Sean McVay and Julian Edelman played against each other twice in college. How funny oh, is that? That's crazy. <laughs> that, that really is. <laughs> They're the same age. I think they were the same year. They both played in the MAC. Julian was a quarterback at Kent State. Sean was a receiver at Miami of Ohio. And yeah, they played against each other twice. And here they are, the coach and receiver, playing against each other in the Super Bowl. All right, let's get to some voicemails here, Joe. Uh, quick little Mac shout out. Joe hates it because there's nobody from the Big Ten who's playing in the Super Bowl, and that's factual. Um, <laughs> yeah, except for Tom Brady. <laughs> Never heard Trust of that me, guy. You don't have to look it up because it's the truth if I said it. Um, Nat, do we have some voicemails? Yeah, so last week we asked our fans to leave us voicemails asking questions that we'll be answering today, and we got a ton of voicemails, so I have to pick and choose through a couple of the better ones that we're going to answer. So here's the first one. Hey. This is Cody from Mansfield. Um, I've got a quick question. What is your wife's favorite meal that she makes you? Sorry, Nat and uh, Sir, but uh, yeah, it's for Hawk and uh, Joe. Thanks. Later. Go ahead. Uh, I know Joe's going to have an elaborate, an elaborate answer here of his favorite meal his wife makes him. Mine's going to be real simple spaghetti. I'm a spaghetti guy. Favorite food, very easy. Okay. Easy to make me happy. I probably eat it two or three times a week. All right, why don't you elaborate a little bit because spaghetti is the noodle and that's it. Do you eat well, it with a sauce? Do you eat it with gosh. olive oil? Do you eat it with a cream sauce? Are you a red sauce? Are you a rouge? Do you go with a meat sauce? Give us some context and texture to that answer. Goodness gracious, you are so like in your heart fat. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you have a six pack now or not. You just can't help yourself. Okay, spaghetti pack. with meat sauce. I'm a meat sauce guy. So spaghetti, I don't know, bolognese, is that what? What is the, the cool is term? But okay, whatever. Spaghetti with meat sauce, very you, traditional. Like I'm twelve. Meat sauce? No like meat. Ragu no meat. with. I hate meatballs. <laughs> ragu and gra- ground beef. The old school oh, meat you're sauce. Easy. <laughs> yeah. You really are easy. <laughs> I told you. What is your favorite meal your wife makes you? So my favorite meal is her baby back ribs, and this is. A go-to for a long time. My baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. She's done it a couple different ways. One way she would do it in the like the slow cooker, and I don't even know all the things she puts in there. But long time in the slow cooker, then she takes it out, finishes it on the grill. It's amazing. I love the wet barbecue sauce, the the grilled taste, the fall apart ribs. Um, but then recently she's also been doing it like in the oven. She rubs them, spices them, puts like some type of, I don't know, apple cider vinegar or something in there to help kind of break it down with the acid and then finishes it on the grill. Uh, ribs, always my favorite meal from the wifey. Mm. What, what's your favorite meal your mom makes you, Zarm, in, your, in, your ba- in her basement? <laughs> you know, unfortunately. Meatloaf. Mom. Yeah. Mom, just, meatloaf. just meatloaf. Sometimes it's just a, a plain hot dog on a plate um, <laughs> that sort of Paper. just gets thrown down Star the steps. Like what I Actually, like kids. when I was oh, younger, yeah. my mom used to make uh, really good um, Parmesan chicken. It was delicious. Oh, yeah. Really? That was my right. jam. 
Yeah. Mama Zerm coming through with the Parmesan. Mama Zerm coming through with the Parmesan chicken. <laughs> All right. What's the next question, Nat? What is up, Joe Hawk, Fat Nat slash Natty Ice, and Zerm, the Cleveland kid? This is Max from the Wild Business Growth Podcast, and I just want to know, what would you do to celebrate the Browns winning a Super Bowl? Thank you, and Joe Hawk yourself. Oh, that was an incredible question. I like how he cross-promoted his podcast in our podcast. <laughs> that that like must a sound, have been a Zerm like a SoundCloud friend. rapper right there, yeah. He he went to the the, the Zerm school of uh, uh, marketing your podcast. It's like I'm just calling. I don't even listen to this show. I'm just gonna call in, pump my podcast, and then ask a question. I like it though. And wild growth, wild business growth podcast. Check it out because obviously he's a marketing genius. What would I do with the good Brown naming there? The wild yes. business. I think growth. he worked That's on the I Fry want. Festival. I would love to, yeah. to do this. <laughs> he's a part of our marketing team now. You just got hired, buddy. Sounds, you know what you're doing. Joe, what would you do if the Browns won the Super Bowl? So the only thing I can think about is I would sneak into their post-Super Bowl party. So for mm. those of you that don't know, both teams actually have these enormous million-dollar parties in the conference center of the hotel that they're staying in after the Super Bowl. So whether you win or lose, you wow. still booze, right? So the winning party obviously is always way better. The losing party, you're drowning your sorrows. But both of them go on till five, <laughs> six, seven in the morning. But oftentimes the ownership will pay for like a big performance act. So, you know, um, the Patriots and uh, Bob Kraft is a huge, uh, what's his Rap. name? Gucci yeah, bon, John Bon Jovi fan. I want to say they performed once. Um, they'll always Mane, have like a hip hop artist. There once. Yeah, and all the celebrities that are there uh, that are not named Joe, Nat, Zerm, and Andrew <laughs> get invited to the winning team party. So it's like the best party in the Super Bowl. It's that Super Bowl celebration. The food is ridiculous. I can't imagine what the food budget. It's probably two hundred grand. You know, Michelin starred chefs putting up the most unbelievable spread you can possibly imagine. Uh, unlimited drinks. It's like open bar, like like Zerm's wedding is going to be. It's yes. all the top shelf shit. Whatever you want, as much as you want of it, as late as you want. The greatest celebration, and when the Browns win the Super Bowl, being their first Super Bowl win, I guarantee the Haslam's are going to spend a billion dollars on that party. I mean, I can't even imagine what you could buy <laughs> for a billion dollars if you're spending it on one party. But the yeah. Haslam's are going to do it because it's going to be that type of celebration. That's how I'm going to celebrate. Wherever the Haslam's have a party is how I'm going to celebrate it. Um, I'm going to be at the door yeah. going, all right, uh, Zerm, you're cool. Nat, you're cool. <laughs> that short black guy over there, I don't know who he is. I don't think you guys should let him in. Call security. I'm like, yeah, man. Get out of here, Jarvis Landry. This is a, this is a closed <laughs> celebration. <laughs> excuse me, Hawk. Hawk is here. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, I say that. Jarvis is like 6'1 compared to me. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double back off Joe's. I will have a comment on Joe's, though. It's funny. I, when I think about parties, I never think, man, what kind of food is going to be there? But that was like the first thing Joe described when he talked about an awesome party, <laughs> the spread. I never once in my life thought, man, I wonder how the food is going to be at this party. And that So how are you the fat one then? Like all no. I think about is how is the food going to be? And is yeah, there unlimited I'm drinks? the fat one because I don't give it any real thought. I just like, oh, is there a McDonald's close? Then we'll be good. Like, I'll just eat <laughs> McDonald's and then go to the party. That's that's why I'm fat. All right, what's the next voicemail? Hey, Joe. Uh, hey, Hawk. Everybody else. Um, I saw your request on Twitter for uh, voicemails, so I thought I'd give you one. 
I don't have any real questions. I was just kind of wondering, what's the strangest or weirdest thing you've ever seen a player do or say whatever on an NFL field? Go hawk yourself. Okay, no rule. Wow, that guy really Don't. brought the energy this morning, huh? <laughs> yeah, no rule. Three cups of coffee. Maybe like, he hey needs guys, a coffee hey maker. Don't, don't uh, call don't our know. voicemail line from church. Number one, number one rule. Don't call our voicemail line from work unless you step outside and you can speak in your outdoor, your outdoor voice. Um, also, I thought I he love was you. just going to ask us before he said players. I thought he was just going to be like, "What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen?" Okay. <laughs> <see ya. laughs> I love that voicemail. We should probably put it on the intro um, for every show to come. And we should do a whole segment with that tone of voice. Clearly, he, he left the voicemail at a place he was not supposed to be using the phone, which makes it that much better. Joe, what's the strangest and weirdest thing you've ever seen a player do? Uh, on the field, boy. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like when Sean Smith, who played for the Chiefs, uh, also former Cleveland Brown, grabbed Alex's Max junk on the field, like deliberately <laughs> out in the open, not like in a pile or anything. I've seen a lot of stuff in pile, but out in the open to try to provoke him, which he did because Alex went right at him and right in front of the refs, <laughs> like T-boned him and got a 15-yard penalty. So what Sean Smith was trying to get done was executed perfectly. So he drew a 15-yard penalty from Alex Mack. But I would say that's probably the strangest thing that I've seen on the field uh, out in the open where somebody just tries to blatantly provoke a 15-yarder, and it works. Yeah. Uh, mine is watch a person like pee on himself right on the field. How do you like, see hey, that? I, well, it's he's like, yo, I got to go. And they, a lot of times guys will ask for confirmation because they want to do it anyway, but they just don't want everyone around them to think it's weird. So, yo, I got to pee. And I'm like, yo, it's third down. Like, we're not – you can't leave the field. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to go. I'm like, I don't care. Do your thing. And then it's just like his pants just start – the wetness starts spreading like like the oh, plague wow. down okay. his pants. Hold, on. Like, Hold on. I got to – we got to – You're, you're peeing right now. Like, I could <laughs> So somebody – Hawk, you're on the field, and you're, like, about to run a play. And so someone is not only peeing themselves, they are then running the play with pee pants? Yes. And that's mm. why when I said that, Joe gave no reaction. He said, why is that weird? Because it no. happens every game. Like, people right. just pee on themselves. Yeah, that but is... I can't ever say that I've just sat there and witnessed it. Like, I've heard, oh, yeah, I just peed on myself. Or, yeah, I peed my pants or whatever. But I've never, like, sat there and enjoyed watching it. Is that what you're telling us you did? I, I mean, I didn't enjoy I didn't watch it, like, the whole time. It was kind of one of those. Mm. He was, like, looking in my eyes. And he was like, I'm peeing right now. And I, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Look down. Like, hey, you Very are good. peeing. It's weird. I'm going <laughs> to... So, I'm gonna go, all right. I'm gonna face the other way. So this Next is kind of just like peeing in the ocean, but you're on a football field in the middle yeah. of the game. The ocean is. It doesn't wash hole. you quite as well. No, and it doesn't. I, uh, yeah, I've learned. I've learned so much. Um, Welcome from this to podcast. the league. Though. This is incredible. You and, you and you and Nat are now official NFL players because of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. What's the next voicemail we get? Joe Hawk Michael here from Akron. Want to know what your reaction was to Spencer Lanning getting? Kicked directly in the face by Antonio Brown. Let me know what you think. Oh, good old Spencer Landing. Good dude. I miss Spency. Spencer. Miss Spencer. I wish he wouldn't get kicked in the face. That was like that a, pretty much sealed the deal on his career. <laughs> yeah, for like oh, you know that, that Antonio Brown kicked <laughs> in his face and then ran in for a touchdown. Like, why would you kick someone in the face, AB? Man, like it worked. I don't know. Our reaction. I don't know if it was live. It was kind of my thing. Was like, well, that really just happened, and it was. I think that was my first game with I the Browns. That, yeah, was it? The, was that it the was opener? The Steelers opener, I think. 
So it was the Steelers opener 2014. It's my, it's literally my first game as a Cleveland Brown. I come over like, from wow. the Bengals, and I'm like, oh, wow. This is, this is how it's going to go, is, huh? This is what it's going to be like. <laughs> first game out the gate, Antonio, flying kick, boom, to the to the dome piece. Spencer's such a good dude, too. And, yeah, he was fun. He was cool about it. It was kind of, you know, like what are the chances someone kicks you in the face in a football game? Yeah, that's know. definitely the most rare thing I think I've ever seen because it's something that you don't see in life much less happen <laughs> in real time on a football field and, and you're there work. for it. Yeah. Like does Antonio Brown do a lot of kickbox training in the off season for him to just be, see a dude and run up and kick, kick him in the face and then keep running. That's my, the only thing my, that I can think of. My only thing is I was like, yo, a B has to like be such a like deep down under like a hole. Like who would think <laughs> to just kick someone in the face? Like, no, nope, I could make a miss or you know what? Here's a good idea. <laughs> I'll jump up and kick him in his face. Agreed. Like that's just demoralizing, embarrassing, and yeah, he's a different kind of. That that was probably to go back to our last question. Another strange thing. The other thing is I was also I seen live the Jerome Simpson flip into the end zone. You remember that? Yeah. We were playing the oh Arizona Cardinals. Oh, you guys were playing the Cardinals. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty so was, cool. That was that my was first amazing. year in the league, and I'm like, that was another one of those in- instances where I'm like, did that? just happened in front of my face and yeah it's still to this day i see that video and can't believe someone actually did that so this guy is the mvp of voicemails asking Ooh. questions actually mm. so what mm. i'll do is i'll play this voicemail and then we'll go back and round table like rapid fire these questions for all of us okay hey joe hawk and fat nat you guys ask for questions and i got about 20 of them what's oh your favorite dinosaur what's your favorite smell or hot dog sandwiches what inanimate object would you eliminate from existence? What's the weirdest thing you've seen in someone else's home? What's the worst song you've ever heard? Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in Bigfoot? What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in a locker room? And as always, <laughs> go hawk yourself. <laughs> All right, we oh. officially have a president of that. The questions asked here on the Tomahawk Show. Oh, I'm very intimidated right now. I need. To, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, our stenographer <laughs> got a hold of all those questions and was able to subscribe yeah. them so we can. Uh, pro- appropriately answer all of them. I don't think I'm going to answer any of them. I'm like, oh. I'm the kind of person, once I'm overwhelmed, I don't do anything. So, like, there's so many questions that I'm not going to answer any of them, kid. But I love the voicemail. What about, do you guys believe in ghosts? That's the only one that intrigued me out of all of those. Oh my yeah, God. obviously I believe in ghosts. How about you, Joe? <laughs> what do I, I look like, I, a nut? <laughs> sometimes I wonder who these losers are that I work with that believe in ghosts. And you don't believe are, in ghosts? Oh, my gosh. You guys are such idiots. You've never encountered a ghost. I've, I, I feel like I know ghosts personally. There's like a couple of them that I've dealt with on a... My like opinion of you basis. has completely changed. It's wow. done a 180 that you just wow. told me that you <laughs> deal with ghosts on a daily basis. Do you go to see a, daily. Uh, a palm reader too to find out what's happening in your future? No, but somebody did run up on me at a at my tailor. Like he was like looking me in my eyes, and I don't know if they were contacts or whatever. Um, but he was, I think he kind of put a spell on me, and he was <laughs> like, you know, you're you have good spirit. You're gonna do X Y Z. I'm like, oh, thank you, man. Like, yeah. You have good heart. Keep doing that. I'll take donation. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, I don't have any money. And he said, yes, you do. In your pocket. <laughs> and I, I, Joe, I kid you not, I never carry cash. Ever. Like, one out of a hundred times will I have cash on me. He said, yes, you have cash in your right pocket. 
And I unzipped my pocket and I was like, oh, I need that for the meter. But I did have $3 in my pocket. I so, appreciate that you had a good response ready for him, though. A great yeah. reason why you couldn't give him that money. Eh, I need it for the meter. Which I'm assuming all meters in LA are probably credit card meters by now, right? They're not in the, the 20th century where you still got to plug them with quarters. Well, then I was scared. I'm like, did he just put a spell on me? So then I went and got change for the $3, and then I went and go put it in my wife's meter. So she had like 17 hours of meter that she didn't need, but I didn't want to make it seem like I lied. So I did go ahead and put it in the meter. But he, I don't know if he had x-ray vision or what, but he knew I had cash in my right pocket. All right, Nat. Or he was a ghost. You need to write down all those questions, and we need to bring those to the Super Bowl. And that can be our... When we're talking to somebody who doesn't yes. want to talk to us and is stonewalling, we just start peppering him with those questions. Exactly. He just that person just produced our Super Bowl show. Thank Nat, you, Nat. Give me some of your answers, Nat. Do you believe in ghosts? Obviously, you do. No, I do not. I'm with okay. Joe. Okay. Okay. Nat Daria. is the only other reasonable person on this podcast. Yeah, except she's a cheater. So, well, she's a cheater, she's a fraud and you don't pay your debt. And a cheater, just like me. So, that exactly. Makes sense. You make fake uh, bets for the entire world to participate in, and she cheats in bets. So it doesn't surprise me that you were cut from the same cloth. Um, Zerm, do you believe in ghosts? So I've never had a ghostly experience, but I do think that they, I do think they exist. Yeah. Okay. I'm the same. I don't. There's nothing. I don't know. This this will get deep, but yeah. it actually won't get that deep. You've all seen Casper, right? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed very realistic. Okay. Okay, that's it. This is a random show. This is why people tune into us. The Tomahawk Show. In case you're living under a rock. Again, subscribe, rate five stars, follow us on social at Tomahawk Show. Um, Joe, can we do a documentary? First of all, I love documentaries. I think they would be a fantastic use of our time. I am yes. over the moon about doing a some type of Tomahawk documentary, or maybe we even do a documentary that's totally unrelated to Tomahawk. I think that'd be sweet. I'm with it. All right, that's where we're going. Uh, any other final thoughts here? My final thoughts are there's a rumor now that Bob Sutton has been fired by the Kansas City Chiefs that <clears throat> Rex Ryan is going to fly into Kansas City and save the day. They've got that great offense, and now all they need is a great defense to become the greatest team of all time. But I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit because although I think Rex Ryan is a really good defensive coordinator – I don't know if they have enough talent on that Kansas City defense right now for him to make that much of a difference. When you look at Rex Ryan's career on defense, he's done a really good job, but he's also had a lot of talent. And I just don't see the talent right now on that Kansas City Chiefs defense for him to be able to swoop in and save the day. So what they really should be focusing on is finding a way in the draft and free agency to load up that defense while continuing to put weapons around Patrick Mahomes because you can't lose those guys. And then they're going to have an opportunity to make that two, three-year run before Patrick Mahomes breaks the bank with his $200 million contract. That was called on the Tomahawk Show. On the Tomahawk Show. Nine months ago by our friend Cliff Kingsbury, now the the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Golly, we have so many friends in high places in the Tomahawk. Incredible final thoughts. Nat, take us out, please. Joe, hawk yourself. <laughs>